Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Good. It is, uh, I'm going to give you this, Chris, because I will knock that off, no doubt. And uh, so, yeah, it is so good to see you today. Like uh, Jeff said, my name is Brian, and this church has a special place in my heart and my family's heart. On behalf of my wife, who wasn't able to make this trip with me, she sends her greetings. Uh, she loves you as well. And uh, man, what an awesome privilege it is for me to be here today with you. We're going to be in a, honestly, in a text today in Psalm 67 that I've never preached before. I told Jeff, but I think God wants me to say this today. I believe that. It's Psalm 67 today. We're going to be there, and so you can turn in your Bibles with me uh, today. I'm sure a lot of the scriptures are going to be on the screen, but I want to just say today that I believe that God wants to say something to you like he says something to me today. My hope and my prayer today out of Psalm 67, and like Jeff says, I'm going to be doing multiple things today, so I'm going to be speaking it a little bit faster so today and maybe not going as deep as we want to go today, but that's for a, maybe a different day that Jeff can take you even deeper in the psalm. Because there's a lot here. But today, my hope and my prayer is that God would move us, move us in our giving, move us in our going, move us in our praying through the psalm to understand God's heart for the nations. Because I'll be real honest, in our American culture that we live in today, it is very, very, very easy for us to just sort of settle into a pattern, isn't it? We just sort of settle in. We get used to doing church, we get used to our time and our routines and our activities, and we just sort of settle in. And sometimes we begin to really lose focus of how God, how God sees and how, how God wants our heart to see the people that he loves so dearly. And so today when we look at Psalm 67, you know, I, I want to just say at the very beginning that, uh, that you know, God inspired, and I know you believe this, right, amen, God is, God's word is inspired by God. Y'all get that, right? We're not just reading a newspaper here. <laughs> We're not just reading our favorite magazine. This word is inspired. This psalm is inspired by God. This psalm is, is this psalmist who wrote this, this, yes, it's an Israelite poet who wrote this Psalm 67, a person, a man, just like me standing here today. But I'm going to tell you something. He's speaking the very purposes and the very will of God to us today in this psalm. You say, how do you know it's so inspired? We all believe it's inspired. Look, even Jesus said so. When you look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 43 and 44, when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and Jesus quoted David, and in that, song, in that Matthew chapter 22, verse 43, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, David, in the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit of God, said, and he quoted the psalm. See, Jesus said it. And so today, when we look at the psalm today, I want us to understand that, yes, it was written by man, but boy, it is breathed and inspired by God. And this psalmist is praying in accordance with the will of God. This is a prayer coming out of his heart. He's praying in the will of God. He's revealing the purposes of God as he's praying and he's teaching us about who God really is. And so today, I just, I'm going to move rapidly today, but I want you to get this today. as we Let's read this psalm together. And I'm going to jump in here. Say It says this in verse 1, only seven verses. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That should sound familiar. That your way may be known on the earth. That your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. And sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations upon the earth, Selah. And let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. 
God. Our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So today in this psalm, real quickly today, I want to just have got three main points and some subpoints today. But I want us to first of all notice some missional elements in this psalm. I want us to see the missional elements as the psalmist is praying here in the Spirit, inspired by God, praying the very in accordance with the will of God for the nations. And here's the first thing it says: God's great purpose. I want us to notice God's great purpose for the nations. And I just want to go through them really quickly right now. But here's the very first one is that God, here's your blank, God wants to be known by the nations, to be known among all the nations. Did you notice in verse 2 that the psalmist prayed in the spirit of God, says, God, you bless us. And there's a reason for that, so that your way may be known in the earth. Specifically, what way? He tells us at the end of that verse, his saving power among all nations. So God, and I want you to understand his heart, is that God wants to be known among the nations. He wants specifically his saving power among people who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. He wants to be known among the nations. But secondly, notice in verse 3 and 5, what is God? It says he wants to be praised among the nations. What does it say? He says, Lord, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. He repeats the same thing in verse 5, that God wants to be praised among the nations. Is he not worthy, church, today? I mean, if you just read the first part of Revelation, what are they doing? Praising. They're exalting. Why? Because this God that we know, hopefully you know him today personally, this God is worthy of that praise. And so God not just wants the people to know him, his saving power, to change their life. God wants these people's hearts to explode with praise and adoration, exaltation. Why? Because he is worthy of that. But notice in verse 4, he also said not just to be known. God's intention, his purpose is not just to be known and to be praised, but it's also to be enjoyed. I love this. It said, let the nations be glad. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. You know what's so amazing about our God? And this is what his, his purpose is for the nation and the purpose for every person that he ever created is not just he's going to be known, not just he's to, is he worthy of being praised, but listen, that God wants to have an intimate relationship. He wants us to know him on a deep, deep, deep level, just like our sister just testified. I mean, that's awesome that God, not, that he wants people to have great joy. Why? Because they have this intimate relationship and enjoy his presence every single day of their life after he's transformed their life. That's his purposes for people all around the world and the nations. But also, notice in verse 7, is to be feared. Another purpose for God, he wants to be feared among the nations, not in an unhealthy way. Not in an unhealthy way at all. You know, God's not out to just scare people. You know, God's saying, look, this says God is to be properly, to put God in the proper perspective of who he really is. To be feared means to be stand in awe, to stand in reverence of God, and actually to see God through the proper lens of who he really is. You know, we live in a world where, listen, maybe people all among the nations, that people do not want to know him. And they certainly don't fear him. But guys, this is God's purposes that we see here at the beginning, that his great purpose for the nations is that, in this, according to this psalm, is that he would be known, that he would be praised among the nations, that he would be enjoyed among the nations, and that he would be feared among the nations. To be honest, church, this is why God created the world. 
This is why God chose Israel. We'll talk about it a little bit later in just a little while. This is why God sent his only son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to come into the world that they, people might have an opportunity to know him. And I'll be honest, this is why missions exist. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here today. Missions exist because the knowledge of God, the praise of God, the, the enjoyment of God, and the fear of God doesn't exist. That's why missions exist. In fact, John Piper says it this way. Missions exist because worship does not among the nations. And so see, as we look at this psalm, the psalmist brings this out in the spirit to us. And he goes, hey, listen, I want you to hear this. Yes, this is a normal man, but he's inspired by God. Let me tell you what God wants among the nations to be known, feared, praised, uh, enjoyed, and feared among the nations. But the question I had when I was reading this is, why is this purpose? Why is this purpose? I mean, why does God want to be known and praised and enjoyed and feared among the nations and stand in, people to stand in awe and reverence of him? And I think this text gives us very simply the point, the second point in your outline would simply be this, because God wants people to know what kind of God he is. I mean, in a simple way, and, and so I think more specifically, this psalm tells us more about, more about God's purpose for the world. It tells us what, what does God aim for people to know him for? What is God aiming for, for people to praise him for? What is it about God that he wants all the nations to enjoy about him? And why would God want all the nations to fear him or to be in reverence and all of him and turn from false gods? I mean, why, why would God want that? Because God does want people to know what kind of, of God he is. In fact, this psalm gives us, it gives us specifically, I think, uh, it shows us four things that God wants the people of the world to know and praise, and enjoy, and fear about Him. So the first one I want us to share, just a moment here, is we find it in verse 4, the, latter, the middle part of verse, or I'm sorry, excuse me, we find it in verse 3, is that God is the one and only true God. So when we think about, you know, more specifically here, what, what does God really want People to know about him, to praise him for, to enjoy him for, to be in awe of him about. And the first one we see is in verse 3 there, and this God is the one and only true God. Notice what he says in verse 3. Let the people praise you, and in my notes I capitalized Y, capital O, capital U. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. You. Now, I gather this point here that God is the one and only true God from, from this simple fact that I observed from the text. And here he is, we have an inspired Israelite poet, right? He's a psalmist. We have, but he's praying that his God, that his God would be known and praised and enjoyed and feared among the nations. He's not, listen, he's not saying, he's, and here's the, the simple fact, he's not praying, the psalmist does not pray, may all the nations be sincere worshipers of their gods because all gods are the same. That's not what he's praying, is it? That's not what he's praying. 
He is very specific. He is drawing a distinction, if you will. Oh, God, let all the peoples, and we know that he's not just talking about Israel here, okay, because he brings out the nations, right? This is about the nations. And he says, Lord, let all the peoples praise you because you are the one and only true God. This, this, this poet, this, this psalmist is drawing a distinction here. In fact, there's a scripture, I believe, that echoes all over the Old Testament when you read this. And you'll see it in Isaiah chapter 45. You'll see this. And I want us to read this together. And it says, I am the Lord. This is God speaking. This is not Isaiah speaking. <laughs> this is what the psalmist was echoing in his prayer about the one and only true God. This is the aspect that should be feared and Known and enjoyed and praised. He said, I, the, Isaiah, I'm the Lord and there is no other beside me. There is no God. Can't get much plainer than that, can you? This is God giving a testimony about himself. He says, I equip you through, though you do not know me, though people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me, but I am the Lord and there is no other. Folks, don't we know today that among the nations... I mean, you know, we can talk about America as well, but today we're talking about the nations. But, hey, let's be real honest. People, people manufacture and make up other gods in their minds, and they're worshiping, and they don't want to acknowledge that God, the God of Israel that he's speaking of here, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, they don't want to acknowledge that he is the one true God. And this poet says, listen, my prayer is that let's understand today that God wants the nations to understand he is the one and only true God. And so let's just be honest today, as we talk about missions today, calling people among the nations, calling out people here in America, if you want to just drag America right into it, we're part of the nations, right? Calling people out to say, um, to know and praise and enjoy and fear the one God alone, the God of Israel. Listen, it's purely arrogant and presumptuous if that fact is not true right there, right? <laughs> If God is not the only true and living God, that missions, that us going into our friends, to us going over the seas to the water and declaring that he is, is very arrogant and very presumptuous if he's not. But if he is, and he is, then missions, true missions, is the most humble, the most obedient, the most daring, the most compassionate, passionate enterprise that the people of God could ever be involved in um, because we have a true love for those who really are perishing. Do we understand that? If that fact is true, then listen, it is the most obedient, daring, humble, compassionate thing that the people of God can do because we really do care about people around the world and people next door to us that are perishing, you know, and we'll spend eternity separated from God. So that first thing that God wants people to, to know about him, to praise him for, to enjoy him for, to be in awe of him for is because he's the one and truly only God. But secondly, you'll see it here, because God is also just, he wants people to know he's a God of justice. If you read this, you can see it in the middle of verse 4. You can see it here. Let all the nations be glad and sing for joy. And the psalmist prays out in the spirit, obviously, declaring who God is for you, God, judge the peoples with equity. And I can't go very deep into this today, but 
Let me just say, when judgment comes to the nations, because the Bible tells us that it will come to the nations, that God will not judge with partiality. Do you understand? That no one will be condemned because, no one will be condemned because of their color of their skin. No one will be condemned because of their IQ, their intelligence quotient. Nobody will be condemned because of the place of their birth or their ancestry line. Nobody will be condemned that day. Because of those things. God will judge. You know how God is going to judge? God's going to judge plainly because on his righteousness. Because in his courtroom, that's all that's going to matter. It will be all about the nations. And, and, and I'll tell you, there's a frightening text that I, I don't, I can't. I know Jeff has preached through Romans. And you guys go, go super deep in Romans. So you already get this. But I'm going to read it anyway. But Romans chapter 1, verse 18. This is a frightening text to me. It's frightening. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their, actually, that's, I missed, I'm missing some on the screen here, so let me get, yeah, let me, am I missing verse 19? Yeah, there we go. So I'll read it from here. For unrighteousness, uh, sorry, <clears throat> for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their un- unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely, um, namely his internal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. Um, for although they knew not God, they knew they did not honor him. For, I'm sorry, for they, although they knew God, they did not honor him. Excuse me, I'm about to back up. Sorry, I'm getting all mixed up because it's not on the screen. Sorry. Let me read it from the middle, okay? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in things that have been made. So they are without excuse. That's the part that frightens me right there. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. <laughs> That's the part that scares me right there. They were out excuse. And so I want us to understand in this text that God is saying, listen, there is judgment coming. Now, that's the bad news. It shouldn't motivate us. It shouldn't motivate us. Maybe it's not bad news. It should motivate us as followers of Jesus Christ to ask the simple question, God, what can I do? Lord, to be actively involved in impacting the nations with the gospel because that judgment will come. And like I said a moment ago, a standard of acceptance, his standard of vindication in his courtroom will simply be perfection. And let's be honest, if, if there's, a, there's a verse in Romans 5, 19. I think we have it on the screen as well. This is the good news here. See, every person on the planet stands condemned without Christ. Why? Because we have the same spiritual father in Adam. And we're all Adam's kids. And he passed down a sin nature to every single person on the planet. And that way we are going to rebel against God. And so that is what's going to be able to be make us, because we're not righteous. But here's what it says in verse, um, let, me, let me switch off it's on the screen again. So it says, for as by one man disobedience, one man Adam, disobedience that many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience that many will be made righteous. And see, God wants the nations to understand that he is just, that is true. But the reason that we share the gospel the reason that we tell them about Christ is because Christ is the only way that a person can be made righteous with God and be able to go to heaven. See, God's not going to judge the nations for what they don't know, but God will judge the nations for how he revealed himself to them. Okay? 
But it's just understand, we ought to be motivated. See, God's going to settle the accounts with the nations because he's just. He has to. He's going to settle it through the nations, either through Jesus Christ or by hell, one of the two. God's going to settle it. So our urgency, in fact, it should be urgency to understand that, yes, God is wanting the nations to understand that he is just. But we do have hope, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want us to get also today that God is powerful. This is this text. So when we talk about God, is what does God want the nations to know about him and praise him for and enjoy him and for and stand in awe of him about because he's the one and truly only God, because God is a God of justice. But he's made a way for us to be made right with God, even though he's a God of justice. But God is also powerful. You'll notice in verse 4, the last part of verse 4, it says, For you judge the peoples with equity, but it also says, that, and, and you guide the nations upon the earth. See, this psalmist is praying, inspired by God, to say, listen, nations. You listen, people of God. I want you to understand today that I am a powerful, powerful God. In other words, I'm a sovereign God, and I have a sovereign rule over the nations of the world. If you'll notice in the psalm, we have another a scripture in Acts chapter 17. I want to just kind of you to see this. There's many, many scriptures that talk about this, but Acts chapter 17 Verse 24, it says, Then God, I mean the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of the heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by humans' hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from the one man every nation of mankind to live on the earth in the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries in their dwelling place. Do you understand? Nations may think they're sovereign in the world, but there's really only one sovereign. God's in charge. <laughs> you know, we, nations can pretend all day long, and God laughs. They're saying, look how powerful we are, God. Look how sovereign we are, God. And God just laughs. No. I put you in place. I put kings in place. I remove. You know, and if we look at the world today, as chaotic as it is, and we go, God, why is going on? Trust me, he is still in charge. And this psalmist wants people to understand, God moves the hands of kings. God moves the hearts of kings. God moves nations. Whatever he wants to do, God is super, super powerful. And see, God aims to make himself known as supremely sovereign among the nations. He wants the nations to be able to trust him. He wants the nations to follow him. He wants the nations to surrender him. And he sets up, and a part of this, a part of this power of God is, and I wrote this down in my notes, is he sets the destiny of every nation. And as a part of that destiny, please hear this, church. As a part of that destiny is there is that they, he wants them to hear the gospel. And, and to that end, Jesus said, and this is why Jesus said, I mean, a part of his being in control of the nations is he's going, look, I want you to hear the good news of Christ. And, you know, that's why he said in the Great Commission, right? He's telling his church, go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples of every nation, Right? And in the middle of that, he says, at the end of that, he says, and behold, I, the sovereign one with all authority, will be with who? You. I will be with you, even to the end of the age. And so see, you know, Jesus, in, in, in even Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be 
proclaimed to the entire world. And then the end will come. See, here's what I want you to understand today. That this plan to reach the nations, it's God's plan and he will see it to the end. We are a part of that. We have a responsibility. If we don't participate, listen, that's on us. But God's going to get it done one way or another because he's all-powerful. He's sovereign. He's not just working in the nations. He's working in his church to take the gospel to the nations because he is working his plan out. And he is powerful. But also notice, finally, that what does God really want people to know about him? It is he's gracious. Yes, he's the one and truly only God. Yes, he is just, a God of justice, and he will judge the world in righteousness. Yes, yes, he is powerful. He is working his plan. The psalmist wants us to also get this, and we're going to come back to this first, so I'm not going to spend much time here right now. But he wants us to understand in verse 1, as he's praying out, God, be gracious to us. God's a gracious God. See, the God who is... All about who can judge and who is sovereign is really, he wants everyone to know he is full of grace. Now, church, today we ought to be really thankful that God is a God of grace and not just a God of justice, right? I mean, if you're a child of God today, if you know you have a relationship with God today, listen, we ought to say amen to that because God, a part of his nature, his very nature is that he is gracious. And this psalmist brings it out. You know, he, and I think that all of us know today that his graciousness is at the heart of the gospel, right? I mean, Jesus Christ giving us what we cannot give ourselves, and that's the perfect righteousness and acceptability to God only through Christ and what he did for us on the cross and raising from the grave. Only God could do that. It's graciousness that God has made it possible. And see, as a heart of a missionary for myself and for the thousands and thousands of missionaries around the world and for you sitting in the seats today as a child of God today, our missionary heart together is that we don't take a message to the nations. We don't take a message across the street to our neighbors of condemnation. We take a message of gracious, grace, grace, grace to our God, to them. God will save. We take a message that says God will save you from your sin. God will save you from your condemnation. God will save you from your guilt by the grace, only by the grace and through the faith, through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So we have a message of grace. It's not a message of condemnation. But finally today, you know, I want us to understand in this text that the psalmist is also telling us, and I think this is really the main point of this. I saved it till last because I think it's really probably the main point of what the psalmist really wants us to get. And I honestly didn't see this until recently in my own life because I just like you read the psalms and go, wow, that was a great psalm. That's awesome. You know, let's worship. Let's worship. And I missed this point. But here's the point. God blesses his people so that we can be a blessing to the nations. I don't know, about it. maybe I'm the only one in the room that missed this point. <laughs> but if you look at it, and I want, us, I want you to see it again. If you, can, if you can get back to verse 1 and 2 on the screen there. Um, I, want, I want you to see it. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Does that sound familiar? There's now a song about that, right? Yeah. Comes from Numbers, Numbers chapter 6. It's the high priestly prayer, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. So that. There's a, there's a little word, Selah, there. You see that word, Selah, in your Bible after verse 1? 
It's, it, it means pause. It's a musical term. But it means pause. It said, don't go so fast. Think about it. God, you bless me. How have you blessed me? You have really, really blessed me in my life. And the psalmist, before you even get to verse 2, the psalmist wants you to say, look, I want you to stop for a minute and think about how good God's blessed you in your life. And some of you today might think, well, God hasn't really blessed me. Oh, he has. <laughs> oh, he has. But notice it, it's connected, and I want us to see this, okay, so that, your Bible may say that, God be gracious to us and bless us, make your face, God, shine upon us, that, so that, your way may be known on earth your saving power among all the nations. Do you get the connection? Do, do you see the application that God doesn't just bless us for us? <laughs> you know, and when I saw this and I was studying this, I was like, wow, that is a word. Even for me, as I was looking at it, I was going, wow, God, that's an incredible Thing. Now, some of you may be sitting here today going, well, what is he talking about? Is he talking about physical blessings? Is he talking about spiritual blessings? Material blessings? What is he talking about? And the answer is yes, both in this psalm, if you look at it. The majority of this psalm is talking about spiritual blessings, but as you get to verse 6 at the very end, he's obviously talking about how God brought the increase in their harvest. God blessed his people with physical blessings, material blessings. All right, so it's, it's both in this psalm. And so this means, at the very least, that God gives his people material wealth. And I don't want you to miss this. Material wealth for the sake of the world's spiritual worship. At the very least, that God gives his people material wealth for the sake of the world's, the nation's, spiritual worship. When he gives us more money than we need, it is so we can help meet the world's greatest need. And what is the world's greatest need? Their need is to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so I just want to, real quick today, I want to, and I'm going to have to go quick, so hang with me, okay? Because it's unfortunate, because this is the part that is really kind of deep, but I'm going to have to skim over it, so just be patient with me, okay? So I want you to see, first of all, that this prayer is rooted. So we got the connection between verse 1 and 2, right? But this prayer is rooted in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And I want you to see it. If you, if you can turn to it, you'll see it on the screen. And here's what it, here's what it says. This is, this is God's covenant with Abraham. And, I, and it says, I will make you a great nation, Abraham, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will, be, I will bless those who bless you and I will dishonor. Um, and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so this is the Abrahamic covenant. And so in this Psalm 67, it's not just hanging in the air out there. I mean, it is based in the high priestly prayer of number six, but it's, it's really rooted in, this, in, in Genesis chapter 12. And so it's not just out there with no connection to the way that God has historically saved the world. All right, so without going into a lot of detail, God chose the nation of Israel. We don't know why. Look at Romans 11. I know it talks about why. But God chose the nation of Israel. 
And God gave, made a covenant with Abraham, and a covenant to Abraham, he says, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to have this lineage, and you're going to be a blessing to the entire world. And you say, how in the world could that happen? Well, because God decisively, and I use the word decisively on purpose, fulfilled this covenant in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the seed in this covenant with Abraham. How in the world could one man impact the whole world? Well, if you look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, you'll see what it says here. It says, this, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ, don't miss this. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to the nations. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Did you get that? Decisively. I mean, not not. Ultimately fulfilled, that will be fulfilled one day when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, with all of Israel gets saved. Romans chapter 11, I think is right, maybe. But, but here's the reality of it, decisively in Christ, that God opened up a way through this Abrahamic covenant to continue saying to the world, listen, this is not just about Israel. This is about saving the nations, and Jesus Christ is bringing the way. Decisively, there's tons of scriptures about this as well, not just this one. So I want us to understand that this, this psalmist is praying this out and saying, God, we're making a connection between verse 1 and verse 2. Bless us, make your face shine upon us so that, that we might be a blessing to the nations is rooted in this idea right here in Genesis 12 and decisively in Jesus Christ. But today we've got to understand there's an inherent danger. You'll see your last blank. Well, not your last blank, next to your last blank. There's an inherent danger. Danger. This is not explicit in the text, but I think we need to talk about it today for every Christian in our modern culture. So I think in this psalm, really, that the psalmist and God, through the psalmist, has something specifically more to say to us, the American church, to the Western church. And God says, look, I bless you. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. Beyond, I bless you beyond your wildest dreams in America in history. Look, we are among the most blessed people. I think we would all agree with that. If you travel outside of the United States of America, you know this is true. We are among the most blessed people in the world. We live among the, the richest the 1% of the world live right here in America. You say, I don't feel very rich. Trust me. Compared to the rest of the world who live about a dollar a day, you're rich. And so we... So here in the psalmist is saying, I bless you, I bless you among your wildest dreams, even more people than any more people in history. I bless you with unprecedented, unprecedented overflowing wealth. And, and, and here's what I want us to get. It is not a curse to be blessed like that. In fact, I think we should pray if our heart is right with verse 2, so we can be a blessing to the nations and people could come to Christ. We should pray that. God bless me so that I can be a blessing to the nations. All right, it's okay. It's not a curse. When does it become a curse, church? When we don't use it like God intended. See, let's be real honest. It's really, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself. When I studied this, I'm like, man, you need to get that. It is only a curse if we do not use it for the way in which God designed our wealth to be used. Okay? And so it's not a curse to have it. In fact, we live, like I said, in the, in the wealthiest people on the planet. And, and, and it's, it's okay to ask God to bless us, but where does the danger come in? Where is this inherited danger? And here's the blank, the last one today for the blank. We are prone to disconnect God's blessings in our life, in our lives, from God's purpose for our lives. Do you understand that? 
Our culture sometimes dupes us into looking at nothing but ourselves. Give me more. I just want more. Give me more. And we become like so selfish even sometimes in our, in, in our activities, in our life. It's like, I want more. I want more. And when we disconnect what God, how God blesses us from the purpose of God in our lives to bless the nations with the gospel of Christ, through our praying, through our giving, through our going, then it can become a curse in our life. See, scholars, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got to, I got to end here. But scholars believe, and that there are at least eleven thousand, maybe sixteen thousand people groups in the world, different people groups around the world, and of that eleven thousand, over six thousand of them of these ethnic groups around the world that comprise over 2 billion people, they've never even heard of the saving power of God in Jesus Christ in the gospel. It's not as though they didn't, it's not as though they've heard it and rejected it. They've never heard it. Never heard it. Over 2 billion people on our planet. See, I think that's why God says in his words, it's always, better to, it's always better to give than it is to receive because God understands. God is, And this is what I want us to get today. It's not as though God is saying, I want to take from you, rich churches, and I want to bless them. No, 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 no. It's like a double blessing. <laughs> it's like when we give. When we, and I'm saying when we, when we choose to obey God and get in line with what God's doing and not just hoard and hoard and hoard for ourselves, but become a conduit for the blessings of God to go through our lives to the nations. When we do that, it's like it's a double blessing on our lives. God's got, listen, I love you, church. I'm going to continue to bless you. I love you, Christian. I'm going to continue to bless you as you are being a conduit to do what I've called you to do with what I've given you. And so here are just a few questions here at the end. I just want to ask you before we transition and talk a little bit about First Party Global but these are questions that I had to probe and really wrestle with this, year, this week and this year. And here's what I want to ask yourself today. Are, are we, and I include myself in this, are we asking God to instill in our hearts a burning desire for the nations to be glad in Him? Are we asking that for ourselves? Are we praying, God, give me that burning heart for the nations to be glad in You? Are we being a good steward of God's material blessings so that we can also be a blessing to the nations? I mean, for what God is blessing, how he's blessing us, are we being a good steward of that so that we are able to invest in what God is calling us to invest in the nations and taking the gospel to the world? And finally, is God calling us out to serve him in some ways among the nations? See, I realize today, in this room, there may be some of you that have really been wrestling and saying, God, you're, you're stirring in me to do something with my life in this mission world among the nations. I, I mean, I, there may be some of you, maybe you've got children or grandchildren in your life that are wrestling with this very thing right now. So today, I want to encourage you to really think about these questions. Do you have a heart for the nations? Are you being a good steward? of the material wealth that God has given you so that you can be a blessing to the nations? And finally, is God calling any of us or people in your life to serve Him among the nations?
So let's pray together, and then I'm going to transition to talk a little bit about First Party Global. So God, I, I just want to thank you for your word today. Um, God, I thank you that you have a great purpose among the nations, that you desire people to know you, to praise you, God, to enjoy you, to fear you, to stand in awe of you. Because you really, God, you are the one and only true God. You're a God of justice. You're a God who's so powerful. You're a God full of grace. And God, I thank you that, Lord, you've blessed us so that, God, we can be a blessing to those who've absolutely never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, God, I'm, you may be calling someone out here and Lord, we'll give you praise for that. So guys, because we know you love the nations and you're always wanting to connect your people to them. Not so that we would be, not so just the one blessing, but so we would be doubly blessed <laughs> just because we have been obedient to what you've called us to do. And so Lord, thank you so much for the time that we have together. And Lord, I pray this next little while you would be honored in it. In Jesus' name, amen.